This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we have packed a few different shows together that we call Highlights to help you to get the most bang for your time in educating you on the topics that you want to learn from. We would love to hear from you. I am grateful that you are with us today. Have a blessed day. Our guest is Ellis Hammond. Thanks for being on the show, Ellis. Whitney, awesome to be back, man. Great to see your face. Give us an update on where you're at in your real estate business. And, and then, you know, let's jump into what this means, you know, the mission of multifamily and, and what that stands for. Yeah, that's great, man. That's actually the first time I heard that bio read back. So <laughs> whoever put that together, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it got to you. Thanks again, man. Yeah, I, former missionary Christian pastor and now full-time real estate entrepreneur and investor. It's funny, the last time I was on the show, I was still a full-time pastor. And now we've kind of made the transition and we were investing in real estate both in San Diego and out of state before, and then just realize like we all have a calling, right? And a mission. Vocationally, I was serving as a pastor for six plus years, but you know, my calling really hasn't changed, which is to really honor God, serve God and make a difference and use the gifts that he's given me for his glory. And so part of that is building communities, which is our mastermind and really helping people keep the most important things first. But then also what I'm calling the mission of multifamily and how to really steward not just my time and other people's time, but also our capital and our wealth for a greater purpose. And part of a huge part of my journey and why I'm so passionate about this message is that I was so against money and so against wealth for so long that I only really was stewarding my time. And man, I just have kind of a new revelation, a new conversion, you might call it, to say, wow, we can actually steward both time and money to create impact in this world. And so uh, like you, Whitney, which is why I'm such a big fan man, of you as well, as you get this, like, you know, we can use our business and multifamily to create impact and to change people's lives, you know, with your ministry, with adoption. So anyways, man, you, I know you're a brother in this. And so that's what I'm excited to share today, hopefully. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I appreciate you highlighting that and just kind of your backstory a little bit. And I didn't remember that you were still a full-time pastor when you were on the show before, and now you're full-time in real estate. But I loved how you said your calling hasn't changed. And so I just appreciate that. And then maybe you could highlight a little bit, though, before we move forward. It's just that mindset that you had about wealth is evil. I feel like I was kind of raised that way to think that way, too. You know, and that was kind of a turning point that I had to have as well. And it could be a slippery slope as well, right? You know, when you start to experience some wealth and maybe you never thought, you know, would happen for you. Tell me a little about that mindset behind why you thought it was evil and and how that changed. Yeah, I share this journey in more detail in the book, but quickly it's given me now that I've written this book, I'm going through this journey. I've had a lot of time to process and look back about how I formed that mindset. And I'll tell you a quick story of how it shifted, but to go back a little bit further, and I've had some time to process this. And I think the reason I'll share these, because I think a lot of people will relate, that it typically is something for all of us that has been cultivated or nurtured, right? Even bad thoughts. And I think it's going back and doing the work of realizing why we hold these convictions. And so for me, I look back at my life and, you know, my father passed away at the age of 55 years old and he retired at 40, but from 40 to 55, my dad always worried about money. I just had a negative view. My parents divorced at 10 years old and money was always a conflict. And so again, like I just, I hated what I saw money do. In some ways it was disappointing. It caused conflict. I just, you know, I've had time to look back and say, wow, those things really shaped my view of wealth. And so I honestly chose a career, man, that took me away from money. Cause I was like, why would I pursue that? 
when all that I see money and wealth doing is, is really cause division or disappointment. But at age of 27, I was serving as a college missionary and we were raising funds to support our nonprofit. And I had a young gal on our team come to me and say, Ellis, I don't have enough money this week to buy groceries. I don't not bring enough in. I don't, you know, my support has fallen short. And that was the turning point for me, man, where it at least hit me to realize, wow, how could money be so evil if a guy like this, who was serving a great purpose, who loved God, who was helping people, he needed more money. And I mean, it was really simple. It was like, I'm so wrong. And I've only learned how to steward my time and not my wealth. And so, man, I just went on a journey. You know, I got serious about how do we figure out how to create capital and use wealth and, and even the system of capitalism, right? I mean, that's why I start this thing called Kingdom Capitalist, because there's a system that we can use to take advantage of to really steward. So that was a turning point for me, man. Those are the things that I look back and form that mindset. And then that moment at least was like a dagger of like, oh, I think I've gotten this wrong. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No, that's, that's awesome. Because I think I was kind of raised that way to think wealth is evil. You know, and I heard a very well-known pastor one time talking about, no, if, you know, if you're a doctor, we'll be the best doctor you can be and, you know, make as much as you can so you can help the kingdom, you know, and help other people. And it doesn't have to be evil. There's three shifts for me, but one of those shifts was learn to either master money or it will become your master. And I think a lot of the fear, especially in the world of Christianity around money, is that the reason we talk ill against money and the reason Jesus talks so much about money is because we know and he knows that it does have the power to become your master. And we can only serve one master. But if we learn how to become master over money and how to steward it, then money is just a tool to do incredible things, which is what, you know, you and I are really using it for. And so for me, when I learned like, oh, I can actually become master over it, learn how to use it as a tool and a vehicle to accomplish my mission, things got much more clear. Well, why don't you go ahead and elaborate on just the mission of multifamily and what that is? Yeah, well, I mean, we know money is a vehicle that we get to, you know, steward to have impact and influence. And so, you know, the mission of multifamily is really simple. Like, we have, and again, you and I are in this business of multifamily. We've seen that it can be an incredible vehicle to have impact. And so, you know, I say the our mission is to transform neighborhoods, cities, and individual lives. Well, from a city or a neighborhood perspective, I mean, when we own an asset like an apartment complex, we have ownership over people's homes where they live and do community. And so there's an incredible organization I learned about, which was also a turning point for me to say, man, maybe I can do business as ministry called apartment life, where we actually are able to place a missionary or church family into apartment complexes and essentially be there for the community, put on events, you know, create an environment where people can have fun and nurture relationships and have a place that they can call home, right? This is not just, hey, these are tenants. No, these are people's lives that we get to really steward over and help build. So that's one way, man. I also think from a investor standpoint, individual life standpoint, you know, there's a real stewardship, I feel, as a capital raiser to help people think differently about freedom. I'm sure I've heard the definition by now, financial freedom is not just having a bunch of money stored up in the bank, but it's, you know, having enough money coming in, passive cash flow to cover your expenses. 
listen, that's a huge mission of mine to help people find freedom in that regard. Because going back to, we have two resources, I guess, to steward our time and our money. Listen, the only one of those that really is limited, no matter what people think, is time. It's not our money. There's so much money out there. There's so many ways to create money. There's no way to create more time, (laughs) right? That is what I'm passionate about helping people get back as well, because part of our existence, even when I find to be important, our faith, our family, it's those things helping people get back more of. So helping people think, you know, and consider a different way to pursue freedom and, you know, especially in finances and helping them steward their wealth in, in a greater way. And so, you know, we invest in properties that cash flow, that pay people, you know, on a monthly or quarterly basis, and then can double that money in the next seven to 10 years as well. And so there's an asset side of this, but there's also an investor side of this. And I think I love this vehicle because it brings together both. Like we can do business We can really help people make money, but also have an impact as they invest. I don't know, Whitney, I guess I'd ask you this too, man, as you've seen this, I think so many people kind of have their giving pocket and then they have their investing pocket, right? And so they have an an impact with their giving pocket, but they just want to make money with their investing pocket. And as we've seen, like those don't have to be separate anymore, right? I mean, wouldn't you, haven't you seen that to be the case in your business as well? For sure. I mean, I'm trying to think even more so towards giving long term and giving in a bigger way and even investing to be able to give or even our nonprofit, you know, investing and, you know, in our properties and things like that. So it can give in a bigger way long term, you know, not just today, but, you know, five years from now, be able to give in a much bigger way. Right. Yeah. And there's the giving side. And it's also just, I talk about this idea of triple bottom line. For me, I was always just trained to, hey, how much is this dollar going to make if I invest it in this? And now I I get the the opportunity to say, well, how much is this dollar going to make? And who does it impact? And how is the kingdom advanced? Right? Like it's fun for me to be like, how do we make more money? Because that money is not just making more money. It's doing a multiple of things now. And so I get really excited about that opportunity. Our guest is Derek Alexandrinko. Thanks for being on the show, Derek. Thanks for having me. After years of building a personal real estate portfolio composed of assets valued at $33 million, Derek is now manager of the Hammerhead Build to Rent Fund, focusing on creating multifamily assets using single-family dwellings, resulting in great communities for residents and legacy returns for fund investors. Derek, welcome to the show. Looking forward to hearing, you know, just about this business model that you're operating in, you know, your experience, I think, as a you know, general contractor, how that's helped you to, to do this and be successful at it. But, you know, let's jump right in. Give us a little more about your background so we can better understand your ability to operate this fund. And then let's jump into the fund and, and the model a little bit. Sure. I started investing my freshman year in college. I wanted to get my first property when I first graduated high school, but found out I had no way of doing that. I didn't have anyone to co-sign. I didn't have any income. So I went to college and got a job at the Home Depot. I was reading all the how-to books. And, you know, as I got the work history and then I was able to buy it that spring, my first home, and then just kept on doing the same thing. By the time I graduated, I had three houses on the same street and a 27 unit over there in Baton Rouge. And from there, I kept on buying, remodeling, the Burr strategy, you know, it wasn't called that at the time. Went through 2008, all those bumps and bruises from that, but tons of learning. And more recently, about five or six years ago, became licensed general contractor, 
realize it's easier for me just to build these rental properties from scratch, get exactly what I want, more control over the finished product, and the tenants like them better. So now we're putting together that fun model to just scale it up. Nice. Tell me, you know, what were you going to school for, and, and were you using? Did you use that to continue to or to start to build your real estate portfolio? No, not at all. I was, I was pre-med. I graduated pre-med. I did have a business minor though, so I, I use that part much more than the pre-med part. So when I went into college, I didn't okay, really know so, what I wanted to do. I always knew I wanted to be in real estate. I remember working out in my room, just doing sit-ups and push-ups in high school for the football team, watching the late night TV shows. There was, I think it's Carlton Sheets infomercials, you know, selling, you know, his real estate course back then. It was on CDs and whatnot. I never got the course, but I was like, it got the wheels turning. Well, real estate, there's got to be value there. How do these people are buying it and able to buy more. So how are they able to do the next house after the first one? So I was always thinking about that and, and that just opened the door for me. It's interesting. I just like asking sometimes people talk about, you know, getting that real estate bug kind of, you know, in school and high school, college, and then how, you, you know, did you use that college degree to get where you're at now? And if that happened or not, how that worked out. But I would imagine you're grateful that you took the real estate route now. Or are you? Oh, yeah. I mean, once you get in it, I mean, I, I'm pretty much addicted to it. I love the opportunity that it provides and even remodeling the ugly properties and making, seeing something there and you could create something, you know, useful from that. And then just building something from scratch. So it, it's just such a great space to be in. Uh, and, and then as far as the, the things that it allows us to do with the freedom of our time, whenever you do it successfully, it's, it's, it's really nothing like it. Congratulations to you just having three homes by the time you graduated. That's an accomplishment in itself that most will not try that early on. So congratulations making that happen. I'm sure that didn't come easily, you know, going through school at the same time. But, you know, tell us a little about you got your license, your general contractor license, and then you started developing, but then you you have a fund now. Tell us about that timeline a little bit up to the fund and why I have a fund. I started doing that, let's see, five or six years ago, like I said, and it started with just building one house. And then I started doing two or four at a time and then eight. And just last year, recently with COVID kind of hitting the brakes on everything and starting to, you know, regroup and and pivot, you know, like, well, I really felt like I was being led, like I could do more with the same business model to increase my impact. I could have to do more communities better, you know, for the tenants. And then also on the back end of the fund, we plan on partnering with charities and doing some things there. So I really feel like the time is right for me to use my experience and to just go larger with it. Tell us a little about, just so the listener knows, you're doing a 506C fund, so we can talk about it. You can advertise it. You can put it out there. You don't have to have that pre-existing relationship, you know, like if you're doing a 506B. So this fund, you know, you're doing a fund, so obviously you can raise capital, you, you know, investors can partner with you, you can develop more. Tell us the type of fund and, or, you know, more details of the type of builds you're doing, what your plan is, or how long is this fund going to last, and what's your exit strategy? It's a 10-year fund life cycle. We plan on focusing on building single-family home communities from 100 to 200 units, but they're going to be gated communities. They're going to be under multifamily ownership structure. We're going to do the asset management. We're not going to sell off individual homes. So it'll be handled and owned just like the multifamily syndications. But in the development space, our biggest hurdle is the land and the entitlement process, getting through the zoning, making sure you could actually build what you want to build on these tracks. So that's why we chose the fund model so that we could go out and have multiple tracks that we're working on simultaneously. That way you don't 
you know, have a project you're working on and you hit a brick wall and then all of a sudden, you know, you have to go back to your investors and say, well, I'm sorry, we're just waiting for another six months. So we have multiple irons in the fire, if you will. And that's why we chose the fund model. So you mentioned like 100 to 200 unit single family homes. You're going to build this community and even be gated. Will that, so then you all will manage and rent these or then you will eventually sell them or, or how does that look? I think the valuation will always be higher as a multifamily, just through the cash flow and appreciation under the multifamily ownership. The things that are so great about multifamily, unless the markets, some of these markets go crazy, like to where we have square foot prices like California, then it would be, you know, feasible to sell them off individually. We always have that option because they will be individually entitled lots. But I do see, at least in most of these markets, we're in the Southeast and Texas, that the multifamily valuation will probably be the exit strategy. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 